That's right. Today we have a special guest with us, and we're going to be doing reviewing of movies for our episode 243. We're going to be talking with Matt from Dawn of the Discs, lover of all films, I would say, probably more than just horror uh, that I've met so far. Uh, Matt, welcome to the show. I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, and we decided that we were going to actually review two movies for you guys, too. He wants to be a part of it, too, because it's just fun to talk about this stuff. And we're going to be reviewing The Relic from 1997 and Phantoms from 1998. Two films that we both kind of picked out. One of I picked out Phantoms, he picked out The Relic, kind of, and we were like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so... How you been, man? What's going on with you? Last night, we spent five hours talking, just <laughs> literally just talking about everything. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm really good. Yeah, I mean, that was fantastic. I mean, we literally went through our top 20 movies of 2020 in detail, every yeah. single one of them. It was we, fantastic. We totally had a nor- nerdgasm sort of <laughs> talking <laughs> about did. this stuff. It was fun, man. So, I mean, one of the things about Matt is that he kind of reached out to me because of some weird coincidences. And you guys know that on the show, we always talk about how many coincidences happen. And now they're just kind of like, it just happened so much. We just don't even know what to think anymore. <laughs> so Matt reached out to me. You want to tell him about what happened or? Yeah. Yeah. So I was uh, doing some research on cat three, like Hong Kong films. And I had come upon the, you know, the podcast website and found a nice little kind of like a listicle kind of deal. And I was like, Oh, this is good stuff. And later on, like the name stuck in my head for whatever reason. It's a good name, but um, I category was on- three Hong Kong something. Yeah. And I, um, yeah. So I saw, I think you retweeted something from me. I'm like, wait, wasn't I just on their website looking at cat three stuff? And yeah, I was like, Oh, well, this, then I, I sent you a DM. I'm like, Hey, kind of a weird thing, but I didn't even know you followed me or, or whatever. <laughs> and you're like, Hey, yeah, you want to, would you be interested in coming on the show? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I've never really done a podcast before or anything like that or really spoken directly to the public but yeah i will i'll do it let's do it yeah so <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty open to just like you know anybody that's in the industry working as hard as you do which matt is puts up all of the like releases for physical releases that are coming out from just about every retailer or distributor or, or you know and he often tends to out diligently work some of the people that are putting it out and uh, we'll talk about <laughs> that later uh, 
Uh, but if you guys want to check out that article, by the way, it's by Eric Mifford, who is one of the writers for the uh, website. It's called Category 3 Hong Kong Horror. I'll put a link down below. It's like 12 of the gnarliest horror movies ever made. So it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, why don't you tell us about uh, Dawn of the Disc and how you got it started and what you do and you know what you love about it, what you hate about it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, basically, I do like a curated physical media news page. You know, I cover stuff from pretty much all over the world, all sort, you know, cult stuff, horror stuff, action stuff, any, you know, all the way up to like studio stuff like Scott Pilgrim 4K mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that. Uh, so I, you know, I have a Twitter, an Instagram, and a Facebook kind of dedicated to that uh, daily, hourly posts normally. <laughs> and yeah. So that's yeah. kind of what I do. Do that every day. It's uh, pretty started. impressive. <laughs> I, like, I appreciate I don't know how you that. do it, man. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of time and patience and, you know, research, web crawling, things like that. But uh, yeah, um, it started off, uh, honestly, not as a news page at all. I just wanted to display my, you know, my Blu-rays, my physical media on Instagram. And, you know, I picked up some followers and that was cool. And I kind of met some people that were in the community. And then I was like, one day, I, I can't even remember what the release was, but I was like, oh, this is so awesome. I'm just going to post this. I don't, I don't know if people know about this or not. And ever since then, I've just been posting the news and stuff like that. Awesome. You are a collector too. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> you have a pretty big collection or you a modest yeah. collection? <laughs> well, it's kind of spiraled, like all these great releases coming out. Like, oh man, I get so much crap every week. It's nuts. That's yeah. I, I don't. It's not the size of the collection, guys. Okay, it's how much you <laughs> watch them. All right. So. <laughs> yeah, and it's like honestly, most of everyone's collections just sit on the shelf after you watch it once. You'll you'll maybe dive back into a film a couple years later, but yeah. there's such a, a steady flow of releases coming like every single week that I feel like I don't even have time to rewatch stuff because I want to stay up on what's current, what's new, you know? Do you have like what I have where there's like three sections to your to your to your collection where you have like, oh, these are movies that I would like to watch, but I'm not really interested in. These are the new ones that just came in. I have a pile of that. And then when I watch them, I put them in my regular collection. So they go in their specific orders once I'm done. Like that's how I essentially I kind of. I have a stack on my like entertainment center of recent stuff and it just more stuff. It just builds up every single week. A pile just grows and grows. And I try to watch as much as I can. I try to watch at least one movie a day. And on the weekends, I try to watch two or three a day usually. Um, So I'm always watching stuff. I'm always, you know, I'm pretty in it. Like, I don't know. That's what I like to do in my free time. So what's your favorite genre? Oh, um, well, probably horror, I would say. And yeah. That's from just like being a kid. I remember I would be at like the VHS rental store and I saw the cover for Night of the Demons 2 and it scared the crap out of me. But (laughs) I was always drawn to it. I was such a scaredy cat as a kid. Like Tales from the Crypt would come on. I'd like hide behind my mom and like scream and stuff like that. And I don't know. I was I was freaked out by it, but drawn to it at the same time. So do you fascinate about death? I'm just kidding. I'm just fucking around. I mean, no, like I, I think I think anybody that has any sort of like intellect or, you know, they wonder about things like that. And a lot of the horror genre and, you know, true crime is based around death in a big way. So right. I, I'd say, yeah, like non-ironically, I would say yes. <laughs> I had a rabbi ask me uh, about that. <laughs> uh, he's like, so why do you think you like horror? And I was like, that's a... Uh... Uh, it's probably an easy but not easy 
answer you know like because it's not just about being scared all the time there's like an enjoyment out of it too you know like yeah it's like chasing the high in some regards because you got scared really bad when you were a kid and then Mm -hmm. other things it's just like oh i just like how weird and different this is you know like how far it goes so and like to me and i've always been the type of person i'm a a man of extremes, I guess you might say. Like when I was younger, I was always like, oh, I want to find the the craziest gore film or whatever. I always wanted to push the envelope, you know, with music and literature and movies. And I've always been that way. But I will say in the last, I don't know, four or five years, I've become less of like a gore hound. Mm -hmm. Like I really value a good story and, you know, good beats in a story over gore and stuff like that now. Sure. But I don't mind it. No, I agree with you. I mean, I think think as you get older, it's like, you know, watching a Serbian film it kind of lost its luster a little bit. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because on the Facebook memories, uh-huh. I had actually posted like three days ago about me and a friend watching it. Like I, my friend was like, what was the name of that movie again? And then in the comments, I was like, a Serbian film, we should watch it. And I remember we actually did get together and watch it. And we, I, he was like freaked out. He was like, oh my God, that's disgusting. And I was like, eh, I was like, it's just trying to shock you. Like the movie is just trying to be shocking for <laughs> shocking sake, you know? And he never spoke yeah. to you again. Um, he did for a little while. <laughs> it's been a long time, though. Poor Peter <laughs> went to the bathroom and couldn't get an erection ever again. It was a fateful night. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like a, what's his name from Twilight Zone there almost. Um, you really do. Almost. Just a little. I could sense it in there. <laughs> uh, so... You do this, the the Dawn of the Disc, and this is all just, like, something that you do because you just like doing it. It's not like you make, like, oodles of money doing this, right? Yeah, I mean, I really don't make any any real money from it at all. Just um, passion just, and ramen, pretty much. Just Yeah, I mean, I just, yeah. <laughs> I just, I do it, I don't know, I'm just driven to do it. I don't even, sometimes I don't even know why I do it, but I know when I find something, like, awesome that maybe hasn't been announced or or whatever man that's like um the blood starts pumping the adrenaline you know i'm like Mm -hmm. oh yes awesome and it doesn't even i mean it doesn't all all the time it doesn't matter what the release is it's just like that's awesome something new like and i mean i'm i do what i do because i'm a huge fan you know i'm a fan i love these labels i love the studios i love the nostalgia i love seeing something that i've never seen before all that stuff's really important to me. Great. Yeah. And and I would assume that you're pretty much into all formats now because there are some, you know, groups of, of fans of film and shit that, you know, they only like VHS or DVDs or, you know, whatever it is. Are you pretty much open to all the formats? Yeah. I mean, I used to. Back in the day, I was a pretty big VHS collector. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, I just I kind of went with the trend, the technology, DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, you know, and I imagine I'll, I'll keep with that. But I mostly collect Blu-rays and 4K UHD discs now. But if there's something that's only available on DVD and I really have to get it and I don't think it's going to get a Blu-ray for, you know, rights issues or, you know, whatever could be the reason. But I'll get it. Sure. You know, it's funny. We were talking last night about how VHS and beta were... <laughs> like $180 a pop if you went to the store to buy one, right? Mm -hmm. And here we are buying every single format (laughs) 
<laughs> practically <laughs> spending that anyway. So it, just over longer periods, you know, it's like over a couple decades. Exactly. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, and I was surprised to hear that you were kind of in a beta household growing yeah. up, which I don't know anyone that was super into beta or had a large beta collection. I know, I know a lot of VHS collectors that grew up with it, including myself. A lot but of yeah, the people I that surprised. I knew around the caves back then they actually are either dead or no longer have a beta machine <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know anyone with a beta machine at this point honestly it was just a really big deal to me when i was a kid because like you know mm-hmm. i was like i loved movies so much and you know we had like one paid channel i think there was back in the day we called it super tv and uh that's what it was on the east coast anyway and and uh and then that morphed into you know cable television but you know if you wanted to watch a movie you had to watch it on tv uh Mm -hmm. so it was fascinating that we could watch it whenever we wanted that was like technology (laughs) it's a wonderful thing yeah Yeah. well sort of i mean it has its drawbacks nowadays it certainly does nowadays (laughs) (laughs) which i was going to ask you about do you think the physical media is going to be sticking around i mean like what are your thoughts on uh you know digital and you know is it something you hate or is it something that you're kind of like well it's just part of the process Like, how do you feel about it? So I think, obviously, physical media is my thing. But, and I know a lot of people that are, like, super against digital, like, even not not wanting to, like, get buy vod movies and things like that sure i i buy new like indie movies that are vod only and stuff like that and if i like the movie you know i'm fine with paying 10 bucks for it or whatever and if it does if i like it it gets a blu-ray i'll get that too but yeah i'm i'm open to digital but i don't think your whole collection should be based on digital because you never know when they're going to pull the release because you're essentially renting it you don't really own a digital release you know true Unless they so sell think, sell their catalog to someone that wants to buy their burned down business that they basically can't run anymore. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm not I'm not as intense as some people when it comes to anti digital. I have a couple of things on digital that's not available on other formats, but yeah, I'm definitely a Blu-ray guy, and I can't see myself ever leaving the physical media platform. You know, right now it's pretty much about replacing the dvds that have dvd rod on them and stuff too so it's oh like, god yeah i didn't even realize that was going to be a thing until a few years ago and then it's like oh come on man jeez <laughs> these 100%. are supposed to be immortal and then too like like i know that people say physical media is dying but there is a, a diehard group of people that that keep it alive you know and like the labels the boutique labels and even some of the studios right like especially the boutiques they are here Thank to god preserve film like they're here to restore them and make them live forever and i think that's so noble and i'm i'm 100 behind that we can't let some of these really we can't let any of these films die or be lost to time so i think it is important you know for the studios and the boutique labels to continue doing what they're doing and i'll support them in you know any way i can yeah it's very different than like something like the games industry which doesn't really even give a shit about you know what happened to these games you know like it's like oh mm-hmm. that that studio closed down and that just dis- the uh distributor or whatever the the main boss was like doesn't exist anymore so what do you do with it it's like well you shouldn't let them die like they should stick around and that's why i appreciate about about film is that there's people that are like no this really should stay it should exist we don't just need to throw it in a pile and burn it kind of like or just over tape 
tape over it or something like something like Doctor mm-hmm. Who did, you know, when they were like, <laughs> well, no one's going to watch these in years. We'll just tape over them. No big deal. So it's like, exactly. <laughs> it's like, no, yeah. these, are, these are very much a part of our lives growing up. So it's good to see that that someone's out there doing that. Yeah, I think it's the I mean, all art is important. All forms of art are important. But obviously, I'm I'm into film. That's my thing. And it's most important to me. I mean, it's it's a priority in my life in a lot of ways. So, yeah. Well, and, you know, there has been some things like you post a lot of early, like, you know, releases and stuff like that. You're like, <laughs> I mean, I, like your due diligence is like on point. Like someone needs to hire you, you know, to work for their <laughs> company kind of like due diligence, you know. <laughs> and because of that, you've actually run into a few problems here and there uh, with some of the smaller companies that do distribution or boutique or whatever like that do you mind talking about that yeah i'm happy to talk about it like i know that there was more recently there was the screen factory and then there was also some what was it dark uh, oh dark force entertainment Dark force thank you sorry my brain was well the the dark force thing was really it was it didn't have anything to do with like leaking their titles it okay. was just that i there i found that their business practices and their the way that they carried themselves to be not great So, Mm -hmm. and I just felt like there was not a lot of transparency to the fans. And I called that, called them out, you know, uh, on, you know, the blu-ray.com forums and, you know, sometimes on Facebook kind of poke fun at their practices and their persona and things like that. And yeah, they didn't like that. They, uh, challenged me Well, they doxed me first. They attempted to dox me (laughs) and then they challenged me to a cage match with Joe Rubin from vinegar syndrome as my tag team partner. Wow. Uh, that was back in 2019. That was a pretty legendary live stream from them. Um, I saved it because I thought it was just, just fantastic. It was just so over the top and ridiculous. I mean, that's just how Dave DeValco is. That's just his persona. He's basically like has a professional wrestler. Wrestler. Persona. Yeah. I was going to say. Ex- yeah. And I mean, I, when I saw it, I like, I loved it. Like people, I mean, I'm sure that he thought he was like hurting me or like offending me or trying to come at me, but I just laughed about it. Like, and people were like messing to me have you seen this i'm like yes it's fantastic i love it i just saved it i'm documenting this <laughs> did forever. they really try to reach out to you to like make it happen or did you do you ever hear from vinegar syndrome about that or no uh i mean so i didn't really hear anything directly about it like dave devalco talked smack on the forums and i think you know joe rubin actually from vinegar syndrome went on a, a live stream with dark force mm-hmm. and kind of I don't know. I guess that they kind of squash the beef or whatever. And, and that was fine and all. But I mean, I, I just don't really bother with Dark Force anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, do, I just don't have time for it. You know, sure. I don't really pay attention to them anymore. They can do their thing. And as long as I don't hear about, about anything that's questionable, in my opinion, or, you know, not being transparent or just outright saying things that aren't true, you know, I, I don't have any reason to, to speak on the matter. I have way too much stuff to do anyway. Yeah, no, I, you're a pretty busy guy, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that, that whole thing, I remember that was one of the first ones, but the more recent one was you had uh, Scream Factory that did a, from what I've heard, is a DMC takedown on one of your Instagram pictures for Halloween coming out on 4k yeah yeah so it was and i i don't i'm not like super well versed in copyright takedowns it was some sort of copyright takedown i'm most familiar with the dmca term Mm -hmm. um but i got it about eight hours after i had posted leaked art for halloween one through five 4k and i'd gotten that from a retailer website like a, a canadian one i think 
It was and open I posted to the public. it up. Exactly. Yeah, it was out. It was, I mean, it was, I didn't hack the Screen Factory mainframe or anything like that. It was out there and uh, I got the images and I posted it and people were psyched about it. And I didn't expect anything to come of it because I've leaked plenty of titles before and nothing has ever happened. Mm -hmm. So I was a little bit surprised when that happened. Well, you say leaked, which sounds like intentional, but you, it was just like, well, it was out in the public. So I was just doing it like I would normally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I generally know when things have been announced, it's kind of a tool of the trade. It's just something I can't even get away from. But (laughs) like right now, you're probably thinking about what stores like announcing things right now while we're talking. Exactly. Like last (laughs) night when we were on the, on the phone. Yeah, I was like, man, this is the longest I haven't been like trolling for, you know, releases and information and in forever in years, you know, that was like the <laughs> longest time period that I hadn't checked around to see if there was anything coming out. Um, but yeah, so that happened. And I posted about it. I, I just wanted to be like, yo, this is what happened. If the artwork is gone, this is why. And uh, on Twitter, somebody like tagged Jeff Nelson from Scream Factory. He's the head guy there, essentially, him and Cliff mm-hmm. McMillan. And he was like, oh, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And I was like, well, the report, the takedown or whatever, has your email address, your work email, which includes your first and last name. And wow. then he was like, oh, well, someone must have, someone has that information. He acted like he was concerned about it, you know. It was and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's, I was like, come on. Like, you can just be like, yeah, I took it down. But my thing was, it didn't really matter. The post had been up for like 10 hours. Like so many people saw, I think it's probably the biggest interaction I've ever had of just random people that probably didn't follow the page, but just like, you know, had seen it shared or whatever. Sure. And I was, I was like, the damage is done, you know, like it's out there. There's no taking it back. Like other news sites have covered it. Like every news site had covered it at that point, you know? So I was like, there's no taking it back. There's no, there's none of that. Right. So why take it down? Yeah. It seems a little strange that you would get like a, like, it's not like you're running a business. Like, I I don't really think you're just, this is just kind of like a fan thing, right? Like, yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a customer. I love what the labels do. Yeah. So I'm not like, it's not a business. I'm not trying to. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. That's I don't have any ulterior motive, really. It's not like your Fox News going, check out what a screen factory has today. You know, like, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is there any way that you can, like, turn this into that? Because, I mean, I know a lot of people that I know who have suggested to go to your Twitter or Facebook or I've seen their shares and stuff. It always seems to come from you because it's like. It's like you stay on your game so much that everybody's like, well, this guy's got it all. He just he knows when it's coming out or, you know, and you doing all the different web pages that you do is not easy, I would assume. So do you make yeah. like money like doing this kind of thing at all? Like or. um, Well, I make so if sometimes I'll post Amazon links um, mm-hmm. and I'll get like four cents per disc. So I'll get like enough to buy one release a month, essentially. Um, and that, that's the long and short of it. Realistically, it's not like, it's not like I need this money. It's just there. Why not? You know? So it's not like a regular job though. Yeah. I'm not like, yeah, I'm not going to like buy a Ferrari with my Dawn of the Discs, Amazon links or anything like that, you know? (laughs) And if people don't, if people don't want to click the links or anything, it's fine. Like it's not, I'm not like paying my bills with Amazon money or anything like that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine a single disc, 20, 30 bucks 
for like for like probably like 60 hours 70 hours a week <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, yeah. just constantly on your phone now does your so wife yeah. get mad or your girlfriend or do you have somebody that is like is like get off your phone so it's a funny story i did for about seven years and this page is kind of like me paying attention to it in the way that i do yeah and of course i have help too i have a couple of really great friends that help me out i'm absolutely certain they don't want to be named but <laughs> they know they know who they are and they help me out a great deal as well as the fans uh, i don't fans that's so that's my name but just the people that follow the page uh they're always sending me links and they're always you know i have people from the uk keeping me abreast of the uk releases and people in you know just everywhere germany and they're really cool they help me out a lot and i really appreciate that but yeah um, so yeah, my constant attention to the page kind of, I am a single man now, uh, fairly recently, I guess, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm sure the me doing the page constantly probably didn't help, but well, not I, after I this it. episode airs, let me tell you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, <laughs> ass. I'm good. Next on BTV does love. <laughs> oh my God. A flavor of love, like reality yeah. show. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> the like drama of the like you know, boutiques attacking you and then the you know trying to you know balance love in the in the ranks of of horror and film industry it's man it's you need to write television tale. yeah <laughs> i'm on it man hey hit me up producers <laughs> we got gold sitting here you just don't even realize so but yeah uh, man what's one of your favorite boutiques i mean it seems like you obviously are a fan we talked in length about all kinds of movies last night and it's like you're a fan, you're a customer, you have a fucking huge collection. Like, what? what is your favorite boutique right now that you like to shop at? You know, I would really like to shout out some people that have really supported me. Like, I've had contact with these labels and the people that run them. They've been kind to me. You know, they've given me info and stuff like that. Uh, so I'll shout them out here. Culture Shock Releasing is a cool. fantastic... They're a newer label. Okay. And they do DVDs and Blu-rays. Um they're a great little label. They just put out Death Collector on Blu-ray for the first time. Uh, that should be to me anytime now. Um, nice. But the gentleman that runs that label, super nice. Um, I mean, he's been since the beginning of the label. He like the first time I shared something, he, he messaged me and thanked me. And we we talk all the time. He's awesome. So wait, he wanted to work with you. This is new. I know, right? Imagine that. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, he uh, he was super thankful, and I was, you know, I that doesn't ever happen. Like nobody messaged me and they're like, "Thanks for promoting my product for absolutely no reason for well, free." It's you not know? that you're like it's not like you're small, but it's not like you're like huge. But yeah, you know, for us people who like to collect, I mean, this is a, it's a great spot to go to. You would think that some of these companies would want to work with you to try to help spread the free message a little bit it would seem anyway so this is one yeah. of the ones that that actually sees that potential <laughs> yeah yeah they helped me out um they sent me a couple of their releases and i appreciate that um and also 88 films in the uk super nice guys there, just really nice um uh, i've talked to them occasionally not as much as i used to but uh they're doing really fantastic stuff with the the hong kong films shaw and the brothers Jackie Chan films shaw brothers yeah, yeah absolutely. i'm a big fan of that stuff man but I would say where my money goes to the most would be Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, love what they do. Um, they restore some stuff that I don't think anybody else would really do. 
Right. Um, and they've spawned some partner labels like Fun City Editions. Big shout out to them. Super nice people. Great label. They do great work. Put out great, legitimately great criterion level films. Uh, like Jeremy, they released that. And uh, Walking the Edge with Robert Forster, they put out recently. Mm. Uh, yeah, they're the great label. And then, of course, I just kind of got to run through everybody that I really appreciate. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, uh, Mondo Macabro, they specialize in like European stuff, Italian stuff, Spanish stuff. They do really great work. They do kind of limited run red case editions at first, and then they sell standard editions later on. Mm-hmm. Um, great stuff. I could I could sit here all day and just name off people. That's, but yeah, those, that's crazy. That, I, I've not even heard of some of these, you know, and I consider myself a collector. <laughs> Maybe not so much. <laughs> So, guys, if you're looking for some places to support out there, you heard it from him. This guy's, you know, he's been doing this for years now. How many years on Dawn of the Disc? Since 20, since late 2018. 2018. Wow. You've been doing it pretty heavy, man. That's a lot. That's a long (laughs) time. It only seems like four years to you guys, but everything that you have to do in between there, like it's not an easy magic button that we all think that everybody presses. (laughs) There's no breaks. Absolutely no breaks. Every day is a new day for releases and you never know what you're going to find. And as Matt told you, it cost him a relationship. So let's put this into account, people. All right. Like, let's say... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, yeah, it absolutely contributed to it, but you know, things weren't like, I don't want to go too into it. No, no, like, it's fine. I'm just teasing. But, yeah, no, no, you're fine. And everything, I mean, it was kind of rocky anyway. Like I'm kind of a, a weirdo, you know, I like punk rock and hardcore and weird yeah. movies and stuff like that. And, you know, that just wasn't the case with that person. They were kind of into completely opposite things. It's kind of like a piece of you that you can't share. And that's really difficult sometimes. I told myself after a a certain uh, girlfriend, I'm not going to say who, (laughs) but uh, uh, obviously not the current one because she's into everything I like for the most part. You know, she at least tolerates it and enjoys it. And and we enjoy our time together with it. But I told myself after a girl broke up with me for watching uh, Devil's Rejects, she never watched horror. I made her watch Dawn of the Dead remake. And I thought she was like, oh, this is silly. Show me something really wow. real, something real scary. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, I haven't seen Devil's Rejects yet. I, I assume that's kind of along the lines of real. So I put that in and she broke up with me. <laughs> oh, my so gosh. I was like, from here on out, I'm not dating anybody that won't watch horror movies with me from here on out. No more. So I'm like, That's do you like I horror am. movies? Uh, and they're like, yeah. Uh, I'm like, OK, cool. We can hang out. <laughs> yeah, that that will be a part like that'll be the basis of my if there's, you know, I'm sure there'll be something along the lines in the future. But that will be a major thing like <laughs> movies, any movies, really. I don't even care if they don't like horror. We can still watch like weird action movies and stuff together. Do you like being uh, left alone for hours on end while I search on my phone? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope so. It's it got a little too deep there. I'm sorry, man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, a lot of this stuff comes out during the day. Uh, so usually it's just, you know, it's kind of in a vacuum when people, whenever labels put out info or when I find info, but I won't lie. There's been like 2 a.m. stuff that I found and it had to go up, you know, so I did it, but. (laughs) So what I'll do guys, I'm going to put all the links and everything to all the stuff that we spoke about here so that you can follow him, Dawn of the Discs on Facebook, on Instagram, on uh, Twitter. Those are the three, right? Yep. Yes, sir. And they're all pretty much Dawn of the Disc. You'll find it. It looks like kind of like Dawn of the Dead, but only with a white background and red lettering. So 
Uh, but I'll put all the links, all of the boutiques and stuff that we talked about too, so you guys can get a, give them some love and uh, maybe follow them from their links. So, but I think it might be that time. Horror shot. All right, guys. So we decided to pick Phantoms as our horror shot movie this week. And uh, if you've seen the movie, of course, there's a wonderful character in the movie who is just charming and just endearing and uh, just a wonderful human being. <laughs> and his <laughs> name is Stu in the movie. And uh, that is played by Lee Schreiber or Schreiber. Uh, he actually... <laughs> says uh, something in the movie uh, about slipping a Mickey. I won't like, spoil it for you. Um, <laughs> so we decided to call this one a slip Mickey, which is terminology for basically someone dosed you uh, with something. You know what I mean? Uh, if For you young folks out there that don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back in my day, we called him fuck pills. <laughs> 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 uh, so what we're going to do is I'm going to break this down for you. So it's only two ingredients, surprisingly, and it's what I had here. Plus, I had to go to the store to get some something I've never gotten before, but it's a new ingredient. So you guys should be proud of me. And and uh, so in the movie, whatever exists in this movie is a the color black. I won't say what it is. So I decided to, to make a shot of just Jägermeister. Just a plain old regular shot of bad decisions. And I bought a blood orange white claw, <laughs> which I feel really weird about a little bit because I've never bought one of these before. And I know that you kids out there just it's the all the rage. OK, so grandpa's going to try one today. So you're going <laughs> to I'm going to fucking drink a shot of fucking Jägermeister and then I'm going to follow it up with some fucking blood orange. And that is a slip Mickey. OK, the Mickey's probably the probably the the, the Jägermeister. So. Uh, Matt's not going to be taking it with me. I didn't expect that of him anyway, <laughs> but I always offer it just in case because, but we came up with the shot today. So I'm, uh, I'm here with you in spirit. So yes, you'll thank have to you, let Matt. me know what you think about it. <laughs> yes. I feel a lot stronger taking this now. <laughs> not even the Jaeger, the white claw. So, all right. Oh, that's actually pretty good mm. with the Jaeger. I bet you, you could even mix the two. Like a mixed drink or something. It actually works so pretty good. It's really good, actually. Like, I'm wow. not joking. I was expecting it to be, like, not mix. And <laughs> I think the blood orange kind of gives it, like, uh, the Jägermeister a tinge. Hmm. So it's actually pretty good, guys. So I'll finish this White Claw today. I don't know how... I don't normally drink, so I might get a little buzz here. So... <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, if you would like to make a slip Mickey, all you have to do is go to longlivethevoid.com and check out our hashtag horror shot section. Now that's it for horror shots. All right, guys. So now we're going to go ahead and jump into our flesh and potatoes of two movies from the late nineties. One being the relic from 1997 and phantoms from 1998. Right. All right, guys, so we're back and we're going to do Relic from 1997 first and in order. 
the relic is about a homicide detective and an anthropologist that try to destroy a South American lizard-like god who's on a people-eating rampage in Chicago Museum. And I wouldn't call it people-eating. <laughs> More a very specific type of eating. <laughs> mm -hmm. Tagline, they did the unthinkable. They brought it back. <laughs> I, little, I like that. Yeah, I got to add a little spunk to that. Um, <laughs> this movie was directed by Peter Hyams, who has been making films since the early 70s, by the way. And he is probably one of the more underrated directors actually out there. A lot of the movies that he's done, a lot of people are fans of, big fans of. And he's made a lot of cult hit movies, you know. Uh, he's responsible for Outlander. Time Cop, Running Scared, Stay Tuned, one of my favorite movies like from that area, End of Days, uh, 2010, The Year We Make Contact, and many more. We have four writers on the screenplay to adopt the novel, by the way. So some effort was put into this, no doubt usually done to handle their particular areas of expertise. Nowadays, a lot of people will bring in extra writers when they're like, well, I want to make sure that this character is like really, you know, feminist or, you know, or this. And then they, <laughs> they just don't want to be blamed for doing it poorly. And they want to make a good movie. Um, so we got writer Amy Holden Jones, who is in this, by the way. Some of you may know her as the director and writer, uncredited writer of Slumber Party Massacre. Wow, I didn't realize that. Sorry yeah. to interrupt, but that is, I, I love Slumber Party Massacre. I love all three of those movies. I had no clue. I didn't either, man. I, when I saw it, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, I had <laughs> no idea. She's also done many other movies. Like, she's actually directed Made to Order, which was a pretty popular film back in the day. Uh, she also wrote Mystic Pizza, all the Beethoven movies, uh, indecent proposals she wrote, as well as like TV shows that she wrote a lot for called The Resident and Black Box. So she's had a pretty big career. Um, there was also John Raffo, who is a writer on this, who is also a director. He wrote and directed Big and Mean plus Johnny Skidmarks. He directed after this movie, by the way, and also wrote Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, which I saw in the theater because I'm old. Uh, but I think it was a 98. It's not that old. <laughs> so um, we also have writer Rick Jaffa, who was one of the writers on the recent Planet of the Apes reboot with Rise and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. He also wrote Jurassic World, the new Mulan uh, live action movie for Disney. And also he's writing Avatar 3 as we well, he's probably already written it. Um, but he didn't write them alone. He actually had uh, another person that he shared the writing, you know, partnership with, who is Amanda Silver, who also wrote those movies that he did, plus, uh, all basically all the movies that Rick Jaffa did. So he's, she's been a big part of that. Now, obviously, if you've heard of Relic before, you might have read the book. It is a 1995 novel that did very well at the bottom, or, or book sales. Uh, Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child wrote that. And in the first of the Special Agent Pendergrass series, which they didn't include the Pendergrass character, by the way, in this movie, they kind of made an amalgamation of the Lieutenant D'Augusta um, as Pendergrass, which I don't know why. A lot of people always say that's like the biggest flaw about this movie. So we got some of the cast in this movie is Penelope Ann Miller, who played Dr. Green. She got her start in Guiding Light, the soap opera, for like one episode, and then she moved on 
to Tales from the Dark Side show. And she was also in Adventures in Babysitting, Big Top Pee Wee, Kindergarten Cop, The Shadow, Carlito's Way, The Messengers, Along Came a Spider, and many more. We got Tom Sizemore, plays uh, Lieutenant D. Augusta, who, of course, most of you will know him. And that's probably because he's been in a lot of fucking great films, as well as a lot of really shit ones, too. No offense. But uh, he was in Saving Private Ryan, Black Hawk Down, Strange Days, Monster Hunters, Born on the Fourth of July, Penn and Teller Get Killed, True, True Romance, Natural Born Killers, Heat, Bringing Out the Dead. And so I love him in Bringing Out the Dead, by the way. You seen Same. that one? Yeah, He's great movie. Nuts in that movie, dude. We also got Linda Hunt, who was a really big surprise for me when I saw this movie. I was like, oh, my God, I remember her. She plays Dr. Cuthbert. She's like the really short little person kind of. Yeah, yeah. Who was in a lot of fucking stuff that I remember watching when growing up. I don't know why, but she just stood out. Um, But she was in Kindergarten Cop, Dune. She was also uh, many of the God of War games. She did the voice uh, narration. Oh, like pretty much all of them. Wow. Yeah. She was in the HBO series Carnival. Uh, she was in the movie If Looks Could Kill, Maverick, Dragonfly. And she also plays Hetty Lang in NCIS Los Angeles. She's done over 279 episodes. So she was big on that. We also have James Whitmore, who plays Dr. Frock, who passed away in February 2009. He was a classic actor who was in movies all the way back to the 40s like Shawshank Redemption, Them, the Ant movie, you know. He was literally in the original Planet of the Apes, so there's a tie-in there. Torah, 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 Where the Red Fern Grows. He actually played the grandpa in the 70s (laughs) then, and he was the voice of Moses in the Moses from uh, 86 film. So his last film was the fun with Dick with Jane. We got two more here. We got Louis Van Bergen, who plays John Whitley. He was with Relic was one of the last two movies that he did. He played a henchman in The Fall Guy. He was in Savage Dawn, Space Rage, Street Night, and that weird Pinocchio movie called Pinocchio's Revenge. Yes. (laughs) Which I believe, like, I don't want to spoil alert, but I believe it was all in his mind. I don't remember. It was one of those (laughs) things. Um, We got Robert Lesser, who plays the mayor. The stereotypical mayor, by the way. He was in Die Hard, Godzilla 1998, Christmas Evil as a detective, by the way. 2010, The Year We Make Contact, Space Rage, Running Scared, Poltergeist 2, Monster Squad as Eugene's dad. He's the one that goes in the closet and checks for the mummy. And he was in Ernest Saves Christmas and End of Days and many more. So we also got work by uh, artist Stan Winston, who did the creature effects in this movie and designed a and a very elaborate fucking costume. Costume that was pretty interesting for the actors inside, by the way, which we'll have uh, a lot on there. This movie was made with about a 60 million budget. They said 40 to 60, but, you know, with advertising, it costs a lot of money. The box office made 48 million. So it was a bomb. Matt, what do you think of this movie? You know, I think I'm going to turn it over to the expert first and <laughs> kind of get your, get your take on it. okay well this is this movie i actually saw in the theater when it came out it's a creature feature with a sort of slasher kind of beginning uh people were not exactly super impressed with it at the time but i think it sticks out from the 90s especially i personally liked it back then and i i still like it now 
You know, we, for one, we get a movie where the main creature has a pretty cool evolution and a storyline and it bites the fuck out of people's heads off, you know, like it just rips them <laughs> off to eat their brains, which is just fucking cool. <laughs> Plenty of gore in this movie for that alone. Uh, it didn't, it did sort of flop for the studios and it certainly didn't make enough to warrant a sequel. I think part of that is that it's set up for the movie. While it's entertaining, it does take about an hour to get into, like, the really good stuff. But what I heard, part of the reason why that is in this movie is that while they were filming this, Stan Winston wasn't done with the creature at the time, so that's part of it. Not to blame mm. Stan here, but I'm just saying. I like the creature in this movie. I thought it was pretty cool. They they didn't just use CGI. They actually did build an actual physical creature. So when people are running around and panicking, like they have something to look at and like reference, which I think is important. They have animatronics and some bad fire CGI, which we talked about last <laughs> night. <laughs> there is, you know, a couple of slow points, but the performances I feel like are good enough that it doesn't make this movie a slog of a watch to get to that hour and seven minute or hour minute mark. You know, like it feels like it's like it's kind of like part of the story. And there are a couple of kills in there and things that happen. They keep you interested, you know, but it is a long time for a lot of people to wait. It probably could have been trimmed down a little bit, but um, I like Tom Sizemore, who plays the lieutenant, you know, in this movie. He does it effortlessly. He's like really good at it. Penelope plays the diligent scientist with some like, you know, sort of, you know, strong woman fighting power, which is great. And she'd never done a horror movie before, by the way, before this. So oh. prior to Relic. So she was actually interested in the role because Peter Hyam desire to have like a very strong, smart female lead. So she really played the part really well. Um, obviously, if you can look past some of the obvious comparisons to the film, which honestly, I feel like this is kind of like the Jaws story, <laughs> if you think about it. Um, but if you can look past the comparisons to that, I think you can enjoy this one. A lot of people compare it to aliens, predators, species, but Jaws is my personal lean. Um, you just basically replace the creature and put it in a museum, add legs, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's pretty much the same kind of fucking story. But I think it's pretty good. I'd probably give this one, after re-watching it, probably a 7 or a 7.5 out of 10. I definitely want own this on blu-ray or 4k whenever they get it to that and i own a dvd copy but you can watch it as part of the hulu subscription guys so if you are looking forward to checking this out there you go so matt what do you think all right do you agree <laughs> well yeah i agree on a lot of those points i think it's a fun popcorn creature feature um, yeah i do think it is a little soggy in the midsection um, I think it could have been trimmed from, I was like, man, this movie's two hours long. Basically <laughs> I was like, and that, that running time, like is a little bit intimidating because that that's kind of like a longer movie and it's like a creature feature, a two hour creature feature. So I was a little bit, cause I hadn't seen it since 1997 probably. Yeah. And I remember watching it as a kid thinking it was really cool. Uh, and I did like it. I think it's a, a fun, entertaining movie. Um, my score is definitely a seven uh, oh, three, okay. you know, on, in letterbox terms, 3.5 out of five. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. I think that Tom Sizemore, fantastic. I love him. And then right after this, he kind of blew up 
on those, you know, big mainstream movies, blockbuster movies. Yeah. He always um, has really great roles in some of those movies too. Like he always he really plays does. sort of a badass, like that doesn't care, like the private Ryan. And then of course, Black Hawk down one those two in particular. I always think of him as just like walking through all the gunfire. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Ahead, he's uh, in this. No, you're fine. Uh, he's kind of a, a gruff kind of intense character in this, like, and he kind of always sticks to that pattern. But uh, I heard that Peter Hyams actually wanted him for his intensity. He had played cops before. And I guess that's what Peter was looking for for this film. And I think he does a really great job. Like, uh, I love where he, not to go into spoil- spoiler territory or anything, but he kind of goes off on the mayor. And I just love that. Like, I yeah. love that scene in this movie. Um, but yeah, the Stan Winston effects uh, look fantastic. Like, I love the monster. That thing is hulking, like very scary. Like when you see him chasing after some of these people, you're like, oh, shit, you better go. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's definitely not like there is some CGI, like you referenced, like the the flames um, mm-hmm. didn't look the best. But the practical stuff is really good. I know they use CGI for some of the decapitation stuff. Right. And I think they did a pretty good job of blending it. Uh, if you really look at it, you know, the average movie fan is probably not going to notice it and it's going to be fine with them. I did notice, but it didn't really hurt the film in my eyes either. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it's a really fun movie. Uh, I enjoyed rewatching it. And for everybody at home, uh, I, I posted that I was coming on the show. People are like, oh, we need the Relic on Blu-ray. Well, it's been out of print since 2010. I have that disc. It looks pretty awful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The movie is really dark. Like, I'd say 75% of the movie is in the dark. Uh, that does not translate so well to the transfer on the 2010 disc. But for <laughs> Great for 4K HDR if they ever do one, right? Well, we're getting a uh, repress on October 5th this year from Paramount since they're putting out back catalogs of some of the you know Dimension and Miramax and some labels like that. So yeah, that's nice. coming up. I hope that maybe the encode will be better on it. I'm hoping it will look better in some way because I watched this yesterday. I'm like, Jesus, it's dark. Like I'm telling you, it's probably upscale. They probably just threw it in there and they were just like, whatever, just throw a filter on it and let's go. You're probably right about that, but I'm hoping that somebody does something about it in the future because it really is a film that needs a good release. Yeah, it it definitely deserves some treatment. Like, even though it is a comfort film that is reminiscent of like other movies, like before it, it's still a film that we're going to watch because we like those movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think it's a way, but I think because like, dude, on fucking Rotten Tomatoes, it got like a 31% as it stands now, 34% on the audience score. Like, fuck you guys. Roger Ebert gave it a one out of four. Like, fuck you, Robert. Or Roger. (laughs) Robert. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever your name is. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And another thing. So when we had discussed this, you know, you threw phantoms out there and I was like, should we do relic or mimic? Because there are some pretty big similarities between the two films. I will say I do like mimic a little more than this one i think it's it's a you know a stronger director obviously for that film and they came out around the same time but i still i still like this movie i i am not as discerning as some people i'm not like a cinema snob i like all movies i like popcorn flicks i like foreign films i like you know everything so there's different mood for everything just like any fucking song or you know what i mean like you can exactly one style there's nothing wrong with that but there are different moods to every style and uh 100 and this is like a a weekend with the friends drinking beer and eating pizza kind of movie right i think so i mean i 
I, it, you didn't have to pay super close attention to it, but you are rewarded with some pretty interesting science and sort of history uh, in this, which we got some trivia on it. That's actually pretty cool that I, I dug into and found. Um, yeah, they, they definitely get a little little wordy with some of the, the scientific terms. Sure. And I was kind of that kind of made me giggle. I'm like, we're really going to go <laughs> that far into this. Okay. Well, you know what I think it is, is that they probably saw, you know, obviously like everybody else who, you know, because technically we got Jurassic Park, which is kind of like a creature feature adventure film, right? Like mm-hmm. It's like Goonies meets like creature feature or something. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, they probably saw that and were like, oh, we got to have like some sort of scientific thing. Kind of like Dean Koontz does in his books, which is the mm-hmm. next movie that we uh, we talk about. Uh, so I'm sure Hyam probably is very similar to that with the, the science in it. So they probably wanted to include a little bit of that. Yeah. And two adaptations it. this week. You know, I What's thought that, that was pretty cool. We're, we have two adaptations. I know. Novels this totally week. Totally fucking didn't even think about that when we did that either. Yeah. You know, like Me totally, neither. Just the coincidence. It's the coincidences, man. It's the synchronicity. I'm telling you. Yep. <laughs> so what we'll do, guys, we're going to jump into our trivia now, which, you know, of course, is going to involve some spoilers, nothing too bad. But, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, we both recommend it. Seven out of ten is pretty fucking good. Three point five out of five is good. So if you want to check it out, you can check it out on Hulu or wait to get a new release. It'll be coming out eventually from Paramount. So but if you don't want anything spoiled, here is your warning. All right, guys. So initially in the book, by the way, the the initial film adaptation of Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child's Relic retained the original name, which was called Mabwoon, which means he who walks on all fours. They changed it in the film, of course, to Kathoga, which is in the novel, actually, but it was the name of the tribe that worships Mabun. So, but they changed it because they thought it sounded cooler, I guess. But there are two the but the two are connected in name alone the devil god which kathoga is a reference to august's derelict great old one called kathuga like spelled like cthulhu but c a c t h u g h a which appeared in a first a short story called the house on kerwin street 1944 sounds very influenced by fucking hb by the way um but they just basically are completely different. It's just, I don't know. It's just something they decided to change last minute. So which one do you like better? Maboon or mm, Kathoga? They're both not great. <laughs> like, they're not very snappy, neither one of them. But I like the one that they used, like uh, the Kathoga one. I think it's fine. I thought they said Kathobra at first until someone else said it later. Because <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Maybe it's just he's an older guy and it didn't sound right. <laughs> As we mentioned, Stan Winston's effects crew was hired to do the creature. And, you know, the story sort of talks about like the book actually talks about it was like seven feet tall or something like that. And it was proportionate to that. But it doesn't really go into details about it. So they kind of had to like figure out how they were going to do this. The creature, of course, had to bite off the heads of, of, of people and eat their brains. So they settled on 15 foot in length and about five or six feet tall standing like on its four legs and figuring that would be big enough to decapitate people. And, you know, of course, delight in their hypothalami. So, (laughs) (laughs) which I love in this movie is such an added thing that you just don't need. You know what I mean? But it's in there. (laughs) I I don't know why, but you get to see so many fucking heads laying all over the place (laughs) with ripped off neck, you know, skin and shit, which is great. 
one of the things Stan Winton, uh, Winston actually uh, really regretted is the how he made the creature because he wasn't really thinking about the people that had to operate it inside. And so they would like come back from these fucking shoots and, you know, it, it was like, he was like, holy shit. Like these guys are worn out. Um, Mark Crash, Mark Crash McCreary felt that the weight of the responsibility when Chris Swift and the puppeteering crews returned from the shoot every day, completely exhausted because they were lifting this ex- insanely heavy thing. It was like a, a team made three creatures, two people would move it inside the head, and people on the side would work the electronics to move the arms, claws, mouth, and so on. So they had to carry this fucking thing. It's that's how movies are made, right? Blood, sweat, and tears, right? Mm-hmm. So, the novel also portrayed the museum's administration in a very unflattering light, so that they were very menacing and kind of like, you know, doing a lot of bad shit that they shouldn't be doing. Um, Paramount Pictures offered the museum a seven-figure sum of money uh, to the film there, but the administration was worried that the monster w- would scare kids away, so they were like, "No, we're not going to do it." <laughs> and the producers <laughs> were like, fuck, what do we do? We got to find a place that looks like New York City. Like, there's only a couple of options. There's Chicago and D.C. that resemble it. And he's like, the Field Museum of Natural History in Chicago, they actually were like, we love the premise. Let's do it. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting that, like, they really shot in an actual place, which there was like a part where the rain was coming down on all that shit. Was that a set? Because, like, God um- you know, like that can't be real. So some of it, I read that a lot of it was shot in Los Angeles on a soundstage. I don't know exactly which parts the tunnels were the tunnels oh, where they're the in tunnels, the water. Okay. Yeah. I remember them talking those, about that. Those tunnels are creepy. Like the, that scene, I don't want to get too off on a tangent, but Oh, with the I tail the and everything. Stuff. Oh, you yes, can get into oh it. Gosh. That's fine. We're in the spoiler section. So anything goes now. That, the tunnel stuff was super creepy. Like I, because they're, they're like leading this party of people to like try to get out to the street or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just knew their fate was sealed when they said they're going in some tunnels. Right. But those in, those people actually end up living except for the two that went down. One of the two of the, the many that went down there because they got dragged. That old lady. She's like, oh, God. And her head gets snapped off. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Tom Sizemore got sick from that whole shoot because he was like the one that was in the water the longest because not only was there that scene, but he had his scene with, with a couple of people and then him in the water by himself a couple of times. So he got like the flu like twice. And Harrison Ford was supposed to play the part. That's actually director Peter Hyams first choice. Which I think, I don't know, Sizemore did a really bang-up job. I don't even think Harrison would have been good in that role. Oh, that's a difficult question. I really like Tom Sizemore, but I don't think we can deny the caliber of actor that Harrison Ford is at the same time. Yeah, Um, he probably wouldn't want to do it because it was such a side role in a way. Yeah, I'm going to say Tom Sizemore was the man for the job, and he did a really good job. I agree. I think, it, 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 you know, you don't break, you don't fix broke, or what is it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I said that completely fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> you did. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, you guys know what I meant, right? Fuck off. <laughs> it's just goddamn white cloth, right? <laughs> it's just real strong. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, so what are some of your favorite scenes, man? Like what, what, uh, what drew you in? What turned you off? What do you think they should have done better? What do you think they aced it? Like, why did it get to a seven for you? 
I I mean, just the Stan Winston stuff, the hulking creature, that thing is like Jason Voorhees on all fours, like in monster form. He is just vicious and crazy. And I love the scene where the uh, the SWAT guys are dropping down through the glass. Into yes, the building. that was so cool. Oh, man, that was so intense. Like <laughs> they like pull the guy. They're trying to pull the guy back up because he's like, oh, shit, this thing just mauled my my partner or whatever. <laughs> and they just pull his his upper half off like out of the out of the building. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty um, great. There is some pretty decent gore in this. Like I, I thought it was pretty is. like if you get if you like it, it's it's not like overly done it's just well done i guess probably a little bit more than than regular gore movies yeah (laughs) another thing that i really appreciated was when during this gala or whatever they were doing at the museum the opening for the the exhibit the superstitions exhibit the moment where it's just chaos like all the alarms start going off right that that body falls on that lady yeah these rich white people freak the fuck out man (laughs) and they're just running and they're like squashing each other trying to get out they're They're stepping on people like yeah. (laughs) yeah and they like fall down the museum stairs when they actually do make it out but that moment of chaos in that and what should have been a, a nice, calm, you know, affluent night to watch all these people in complete terror. Yeah. It just, it, and it took hold all at once. Like it was just complete chaos. And I was like sitting there. I'm like, man, I live for this right now. This is great. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. that. That was actually a lot of fun right there. I, I kept thinking to myself, like, you know, of course, they're going to want help now. Like, this is like the whole <laughs> Jaws story. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. Fucking don't go out on the beach, man. There's a fucking killer shark in the fucking water, man. We're trying to tell you that there's, you know, there's something bad going on. We got to figure out who's murdered people because you get the fucking janitor or was it janitor? No, there was the security guard who get who's smoking pot in the bathroom. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) of course he's smoking pot and he opens the window and he gets fucking dragged underneath and i'm like first thing i was thinking is like wait how did the monster become a monster but i didn't realize that later on they explain it and it you know spoiler alert basically it's john whitney who was the and the uh anthropologist that went out to the fucking tribes and did a bunch of fucking drugs with the fucking tribesmen who believe that they made the creature to what protect them or something like that he was like a like a god of some sort i I don't remember the backstory is a little muddy all i know is this white dude drank some soup around the fire in the beginning scene and then we get him as the beast later on dude and he bogarts the whole fucking thing man like why (laughs) wouldn't you just take a sip like why would you just be like oh well i guess i'm drinking the whole thing like i don't know man he he took it all man i bet those people around the fire were like what the fuck is this guy doing come on that old lady was standing next to him she's like you took too much dude you're fucked up and she's just laughing at him while that guy's crawling around (laughs) yeah exactly but yeah i was gonna say like that scene i hate when movies start off with like the whole tribal thing like like i don't know there's just like i just, I don't know it just never works for me i usually that almost turned me off automatically i was like oh god here we go <laughs> but the movie turned out being you know it was good i enjoyed it so yeah um was it, it makes me think of dead alive can't hate that movie oh that's a classic film i love it <laughs> he's got the bite 
Singaya. <laughs> oh god, I love it. That needs a, a new release. Yeah, we'll get one. We're getting a 4K here soon, man. I I believe soon. Peter Jackson. He's just not a social media guy, so we don't hear shit from him every day. He's one I don't of them know. I just I can't types. trust the soon anymore. Like the soon has been soon for too long. Like, it's been just, like two, three years now, and it's got to be coming long. out. I'm hoping so. Um, it's kind of like how everybody always talks about Event Horizon, trying to find the lost footage all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like then we hear about Peter Jackson's 4K release every once in a while. It's like, yeah, it was about when. um i love i love event horizon by the way i love it yeah i just got a copy of that from one of my viewers like a newer copy from the scream i guess from scream factory yeah nice Uh, i had the original one that came out the it was like the no filler no no extra stuff on it but i love the scene where the cop tries to stop the blast doors from closing by by running with a like a little chair <laughs> oh yeah i thought that was so ridiculous he, I was yeah, like, it's like this two minute thing where he's like he grabs the chair he's like the the deputy or something like that and he's mm-hmm. like it's all like the water's coming down the body already dropped and this guy's like <laughs> running full speed to stop the fucking blast doors from closing so they're not <laughs> locked in and he takes this old fucking antique chair and he shoves it <laughs> underneath and it just breaks and it's like it just fucking breaks like it just <laughs> folds it implodes on itself i'm like okay guy <laughs> yeah, that was like right before those guys that descended and got like torn apart or whatever mm-hmm, yep. i'm pretty sure like it was like right then because there was like a separate room where they were like uh with the windows up top or something like that but there's also another scene where like the beast attacks like the steel door the like bank looking door Oh yeah, it's like a, like a vault or whatever. Vault, they, like, yeah. The, the lab has got like a vault door, and uh, I guess because they're dealing with shit they shouldn't be fucking dealing with. Um, mm-hmm. But like the lieutenant, Doctor Green, and the professor are hiding from it, and it hits the door so hard that it kind of like bleeds underneath the door. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Jesus, dude! And it bends the door like that's some fucking power right there. That part was really tense. I thought that was one of the better, more tense parts in the movie because I didn't, I couldn't remember. It's been so long since I'd seen it. I did, I don't, I didn't remember if the door was gonna go or not. But like the indentation of the beast in the door, right? Like, I that was a pretty and like they're like all trying to run to get in there and you like the camera like pans back around and like shows the beast all hulking running jumping at the door door. yeah Yeah, it's like it's like this thing's instinct is just so fucked up that it it's willing to sacrifice itself for its instinct you know it's like crazy absolutely primal really and that's when we find out that the whole fucking beast is basically john whitley who disappeared or died or whatever the fuck they don't know what happened to him on the boat because he like killed everybody on there, which you kind of assume it's him because mm-hmm. he was like freaking out and crying that his his box wasn't there with the relic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they like run the the analysis and it's like Beetle oh on her DNA and, machine, like, which is yeah, her been in a couple of movies by the way, like. <laughs> work around for science explanation exactly then they they pull up homo sapien 46 percent. oh my god i yep. love that scene when she found that out i was like yep <laughs> but it took like seconds to get the dna of the beetle slash gecko lizard uh from exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you remember the scene where she puts together like all this like she's breaking like um all these like glasses full of like you know stuff to keep like body parts in and shit you know like the is that the alcohol that they put in those things to, to like preserve 
Oh she, yeah, like, yeah. Well, and she's she like running a, away from it. Right. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. She makes a bomb, and then like it's like a, it's an improvised explosive device. She actually, um, it's funny because. Margot, the character Dr. Green Margot, she's using two jars. It's it's almost identical to the scene where John Jean-Claude Van Damme's character in Sudden Death that Peter Himes uh previous film <laughs> did oh. in the movie. So he like added that in there as well. <laughs> you know, I did not catch that, but I, I watched that like last summer and I had a lot of fun with it. But I'm gonna have to rewatch that because I I love like stuff like that. Yeah, it was that, I, I mean, I always love that, you know, when it's like they MacGyver the shit out of it, you know? Like, <laughs> well, when she first started, <laughs> yeah, when, well, when she first started running and knocking the stuff off, it, it reminded me of like Scary Movie 2 when oh, Anna yeah, Ferris yeah. is like running away and she's just like fumbling and knocking stuff over. I was like, why the hell is she knocking all this stuff off the shelves? <laughs> and then she does the whole explosion thing. And I was like, oh, OK, that makes sense. But it seems so like silly when it first happened. Yeah, but it was necessary, man, because that chemical fire looks so real. <laughs> True art. True <laughs> <Yeah>. art. <laughs> the, the creature's running around like in full flame gear. He kind of looks like fucking <laughs> flame on, you know, like <laughs> f- fantastic four style. Looking. Went full Johnny Blaze. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she like climbed in the whatever that water tank was. I can't remember exactly what it right. was. Yeah. And a- he like kind of peeks in. He explodes like what the fuck? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that explosion. Uh, I read that they actually showed the movie to a test audience and they expected um, they killed it in a different way. And they expected like a big pop from the audience and it didn't happen. So they actually reshot that ending scene for it to explode. And it, to me, it just wasn't very effective. Like the explosion, I was like, meh. They probably <laughs> meant when she threw the bomb, <laughs> not like afterwards, like they did. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but yeah. I, I uh, her, her, pretty her, neutral to it. Her uh, killing line, her like, you know, one line. Oh God! Was that you go to hell? <laughs> God, I slapped my forehead when she said that. I was like, gosh. Yeah, it should have been something about like John Whitley or something. You know, like you know, I'm a better. Yeah, I'm a better fucking anthropologist than you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was weird too because when the she was like backed up against the the chain the chain link fence or whatever, waiting for the elevator to come up. It oh, was yeah. getting kind of like weird and rapey with the tongue and i sense like some weird alien human like sexual dynamic like it was kind of creepy yeah it's totally alien they were trying to mimic it they were trying to do that fucking scene where the fucking the thing comes out and like comes to her face and she's just like "Uh." i read that hyam's a huge fan of alien so that's probably where that came from yeah it's probably his little little nod both of these movies have nods by the way Mm-hmm. Um, I would assume that that it does. So, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this film. I was expecting a little bit more from my watch because I remember. I think it was just because I didn't hate the film back in the day, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Why is everybody hating this movie? Like, we I've seen enough screen movies. Like, can we just like you know, like I, I'm like that's like the big rage was like the teeny bopper movies back then. You know what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. so. I didn't mind. It's funny. It's funny that you mentioned the scream thing because I have a little kind of a a thing with scream in Phantoms that I kind of wanted to bring up too at some point. So it's funny that you brought well, that up. 
Leave Schreiber has also been in all th- like the first three too. So <laughs> that is correct, but it's, that's a little bit different. I love him, by the way. I'll just put that right out on the table. I love right. him. I think he's great. Oh yeah, he's great in this movie too. So we're gonna go mm-hmm. ahead and talk about that next, guys. So Woo. Phantoms came out in 1998 in the peaceful town of Snowfield, Colorado. Something evil has wiped out the community, and now it's up to a group of people to stop it. Or at least get out of Snowfield alive. <laughs> the tagline is a little long. <laughs> For centuries, they told us the terror would come from above. We've been looking in the wrong way. <laughs> oh, that's hate, a good tagline. It's I, ridiculous, I, I like the but first part it. of it, but I, I wish it would have said, looks like we haven't been looking below our feet or something. You know, it should have been like <laughs> that. You know, like, been looking the wrong way? That sounds weird <laughs> to me. I don't know. Um... Phantoms, obviously, is a novel, of course, too, by American writer Dean Koontz, first published in 1983. Took him long enough. The story is a version of the now-debunked urban legend involving a village mysteriously vanishing at the Angikuni Lake, uh, which they talk about in the movie. They, they talk about many other places, too, so it's not just the one, you know, but uh, there's like three in the movie they were talked about. There's like the Mayans. They talk about all these other things where there was no graves or whatever. Yeah. Roanoke Island was one of those famous yeah, ones. There you go. That's the one where they did the American horror story thing off of. Mm-hmm. And uh, Storm of the Century was kind of loosely based on that, too. That's the one. That's another one. Um, director, and I'm pretty sure I'm saying this right. Joe Chappelle sounds like Dave mm-hmm. Chappelle, but that's what I thought of. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have the best, you know, track record of movies, but I don't think he's too bad. He, he was a director of, uh, Halloween, the curse of Michael, but six, 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 which had a, you know, a lot of problems with the different cuts that they had. They had a producer's cut for many, many, many years that were bouncing around on VHS in the worst quality possible until scream was it scream factory that put it out yeah they they put it in their deluxe set and then it also got a standalone release later too that's all i wanted out of that whole set (laughs) i was just like as long as i can get that one because that was the most sought after uh release because it's so different but um he did a movie called takedown he did dark prince the true story of dracula the skulls too like some of these are not very good <laughs> movies guys Witchblade. uh he did six episodes of the wire 16 episodes of fringe i feel like phantoms was like his big shot movie and everybody shit on him for it and it's such a great movie like fuck you guys <laughs> sorry spoiler alert uh, <laughs> um this is one of the movies that dean r coons actually did the screenplay of you know it's not very there's very few times that a novelist gets full control of the screenplay they usually work with somebody who has an idea of what the producers and things want but he got to do this on his own and they gave him a lot of like leeway with changing the book around it which it it did get changed quite a bit um the intro scene of the movie is very similar very uh, same this is of course not one of his only movies that's been you know books that's been turned into a movie he did demon seed watchers servants of twilight hideaway soul survivor Odd Thomas, The Passengers, and and many more. I love Demon Seed, by the way. That's Me a great too. Movie. Um, that is such an underrated, like awesome movie. Like such a wild, weird, and fucking creepy movie. Um, Absolutely. It's like Pulse and like some weird, like impregnating robot movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
But his stories always seem to have that little bit of extra that I was mentioning, uh, you know, like the science or, you know, he, he likes to add like a twist that is like interesting to a lot of his stories. That's one of the things I really like about him as a writer. Um, not necessarily twists, but just, you know, well thought out stuff that makes you stick around. Uh, some of the cast in this movie, we got Peter O'Toole. I'm not going to do everybody, by the way, but Peter O'Toole um, was in this movie playing Dr. Flight, who apparently passed away in December 2013. He'd been around forever in a lot of different movies. He did, you know, classics like Lawrence of Arabia, Troy, the original Casino Royale movie, Zulu Dawn, Caligula, Svengali, Pygmalion. King Ralph, which was not, is kind of slumming it for him, and uh, Stardust and plenty more. Also has Rose McGowan, who is, she plays Lisa, the younger sister. She was in, obviously, Planet Terror, Charmed, The Doom Generation, Nowhere, which is the same director, Class of 1999, Encino Man, Biodome, Scream, Monkey Bone, Machete, and, and plenty more. You also have Joanna Going, who plays the older sister of hers, and she played the first uh, lady in the House of Cards TV show, which she's amazing in. She even had some episodes of her in Dark Shadows, the 90s show that they redid, and she did like 12 episodes. She was in Nixon from Dust Till Dawn TV series and many more. We got Liv, Liv Schreiber, who you're a fan of. He plays Deputy Stu. He was in The Day Trippers, Ransom. Scream 2, 1 through 3, Sphere, The Omen Remake, Ray Donovan, TV show. They're even making a, a movie, by the way. So I just looked that up today. And then last but not least, we, of course, have Ben Affleck. There are other people that I could mention, but Ben Affleck's one of the bigger ones. He's the sheriff in the town. He's obviously one of Kevin Smith's, you know, like he blew up under <laughs> Kevin Smith and uh, played Batman. I mean, you know who he is, guys. I don't, do I really need to go over his catalog of movies? Like he's pretty popular, <laughs> but he's not. He's like real serious in this movie versus like the movies he had done previous to this, which were a little bit more comedies and stuff like that. So this movie had five point six million dollars at the box office, which is terrible. What the fuck? <laughs> um. So what are your thoughts on this fine film, sir? It's your turn now. So I I watched this last year and I thought it was pretty good. I liked it. But uh, when I, I rewatched it today and I was really into it, like the atmosphere is so creepy. It, it like reminds me of like, I don't know, Silent Hill or something like that. The, <laughs> like the abandoned like town is super creepy. You know, there's funny um, you mentioned that, that th this movie was the movie that inspired Silent Hill, by the way. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not joking. This and a couple other movies, but yeah. So you're That's spot awesome. on with that shit. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I some of the acting is hammy, to say the least. And, and the thing that I, I mentioned earlier, like the first scene, Rose McGowan, I, there's like a post-scream like nod, I felt like. She's like, the killer's still in the house or whatever. And that like was very screamed to me. Like I was like, right. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, I mean, overall, I, I think I actually kind of love it. Honestly, I think that the source material was very rich, very good. Uh, they do a lot of interesting things here. I think the scope of the movie is larger than like your average monster movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a fan. I really liked it. Yeah, this is. I really enjoy this too. So, how, what would your score be if you had to give it out of ten? So, I checked my letterbox and I had actually given it a three out of five, so a six out of ten. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and today I'm going to go ahead and bump that up to a seven out of 10. Wow. Okay. Yeah. See how funny things change after you're just in the mood for something sometimes and you just look mm-hmm. at it in a new light. It's weird. It just happens. You know, like I didn't like the, the Watchmen when I first saw it. Now I really like it. <laughs> I watch the director's cut all the time and I like it. So it's just weird how that happens. It is funny how that happens. Uh, how did, did you enjoy the film? Oh, fuck yeah. This is one of my favorite movies. Like it's, it's not as good as some of the greats that it kind of borrows from in some regards. Mm-hmm. It could be considered like a comfort film in that regard because it is like familiar feeling, but it is different because, you know, he wrote the fucking story and he rewrote it for this fucking movie. <laughs> so this this has just about everything I love in a fucking movie. You know, it has, you know, weird morphing body, shape shifting, practical effects, creatures, gore and suspense and just like essentially Lovecraft. You know, you know, it even has some of that scientific jargon that's in there that Lovecraft loves to throw in his books, you mm-hmm. know, in his stories and stuff. So, you know, and of course, Dean Arcoons, Stephen King, Clive Barker, they're all inspired by H.P. Lovecraft. I read that book first when I was younger. Uh, before the movie came out. And so when the movie came out, I was really excited. Like, I was like, oh, my God, this is coming out. This is the first book I ever read of Dean Koontz. And I love it. It's so good. It's like, um, so I went to the theater and saw it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's so the beginning of the movie is almost identically to what I pictured in my head of how he describes when they show up to town and there's like nobody there and like cars are running and you can like the very descriptive way that in the book, but it's very it's done very well in the movie. Like they did a really good job of, of making it feel like that. I think that this movie is similar to the story of the blob 1988, which is why I say the comfort film. And sort of the thing a little bit. There is a nod in the mm-hmm. movie to the thing. I won't spoil what it is. But there is no meteor for the blob in this movie. And one of the characters that they add in this story, which I really love in this movie, that you get is played by Lee uh, Schreiber. It just adds this extra fucked upness, you know, in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. And I loved him in this. I thought it was not only a good role, but he was pretty damn funny in it, too. There's, like you said, there's plenty of suspense. There's a lot of really great camera work in this movie that they actually do. Some of it is a little, you know, like there was the scene in the sheriff's office or the sheriff's station is like they do handheld and they kind of move it around all crazy, um, Mm -hmm. which kind of felt like TV uh, movie making. But there is a lot of really good work done in this movie um, in kind of building up the suspense, the tension, the sounds. There's like the siren thing is where you get the Silent Hill thing from, you know. Yes. That is it just eerie in itself and just standing in the middle of the road with nobody around and that happening is just scary you know so uh like you said the acting can be a little hammy i would agree with that it is decent though it's enough that it's not going to bother you if you watch it specifically i think ben affleck playing a former fbi in a small town as a sheriff is a little weird um but it's better than i think he had done before that you know like as a comedic actor sort of Mm-hmm. He plays it real straight here. Um, and this is like the skinny Ben Affleck, not the like beefcake <laughs> one we got these days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Rose McGowan's in it. She's fine, but I, I'm not, I was never, I was never, I wasn't a big fan of her, but she was kind of popping off at this time. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, well, she'd popped off before this, but, um, leave, uh, is anybody saying that right? Leave Schreiber. You are, yeah. 
Okay. Who is definitely not acting like Ray Donovan in this. <laughs> he is a creepy character that verges on sociopath and serial killer. And it's just fucking wonderful to have in this film, like I mentioned before. But I just want to say it again because I thought that was really good. I love Peter O'Toole's part in this movie, whose performance is not only funny, but it's like super sarcastic, which I love. Um, it, it does have the familiarity to a lot of the stuff I mentioned, but I think that's just nature. HP Lovecraft thing. So I don't really, I, you know, how do you, you can't knock it for that necessarily. I just think I would love to see more of that kind of stuff anyway. So it doesn't bother me. Like, mm -hmm. oh, wait, there's something that's like the thing. Oh, I get to see more thing like things. Oh, God. Hell, I, I don't know how I'm going to live my life with, with watching this. You know, it's like, no, <laughs> give me more. So, but I'm impressed with how they handle a town that suddenly vanishes in an instant so well. It just that in itself is just like super creepy and it's fun to watch. It's smart 90s horror that doesn't just get the just desserts that it probably deserved back then. I mean, it's got like a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes and that is horrible. Ooh, wow. That's fucking wrong, dude. Like, I, it, it kind of angers me. I highly recommend this one if you are a fan of The Blob, The Thing, I mean, if you haven't seen this movie, you're in for a treat, okay? Because it's it's not going to disappoint you. It, it may not be the best movie you've ever seen, but you're going to enjoy it. I would personally give this movie like an 8 or an 8.5 even. Probably more an 8.5 just because it's more in line with the kind of movies I like with that sort of, you know thing lurking you know beyond the void or beyond the unknown or wherever it comes from because i don't want to spoil it <laughs> but you know that's why i named this show after it that's the kind of stuff i like and i would love to have a 4k of this if they ever do because it needs one it's up on crackle by the way guys if you're looking to do it or if you want to rent or you can find, usually find a dvd um for pretty cheap it sometimes comes with the faculty. I bought a copy of it thinking it was the Blu-ray. It wasn't. <laughs> so I had a copy at one point, but I sold it when I was like going homeless. So I, I hate them myself for not having it. But yeah. And so. the, uh, the big issue with that is too. So Phantoms was only released on Blu-ray in, in like a triple pack with like darkness and That's what something else. Yeah. And I, I think that it deserves a standalone, standalone disc, honestly. Like, I don't know why it doesn't have one. I guess the hate was so prevalent that they didn't think they could make any money, but there's definitely people like everyone, like the internet has brought everyone together with cinema and give them more insight. So I think there's gotta be some phantoms fans out there. There definitely is. I I've, I've, I've had a lot of friends that, that admired this movie. So to hear that it got like a 13%, you know, like, come on, dude. Like that's like, just so out of left field. Like I watched this movie and I just, I can't really even fathom someone giving that low. You know what I mean? It's just, ugh. that seems irresponsible. You know what I mean? Like it, it does. seems kind of reckless and like, there's something wrong. Like there's something misleading. Off. Yeah. Like, like maybe it wasn't like a big film for the time, but like, you can't just sit there and say that the story is not interesting. I mean, maybe it's not acted to your particular taste i i don't i just don't see it but they said the same thing about the thing you know back in the day they mm -hmm. weren't really well it wasn't the same but so everybody that's listening this film has a lot of merit and i think if you haven't seen it since it came out 20 years whatever give it another shot take another look at it 
Yeah, it deserves it. I would like to get a standalone copy, you know, at least on Blu-ray. And I'm surprised mm-hmm. that people like Scream or somebody hasn't picked it up because this feels kind of like within their kind of wheelhouse, you know, like a type of movie that was like not very popular, but also kind of mainstream, you know, because they put a lot of money into this movie. I think this is one of the Miramax slash Dimension films, and I think that's why. Mm. Um, but I could see since Paramount is on like a tear, re- uh, repressing and releasing all these older titles from that library, I would love for them to put this out as a standalone, charge like twelve ninety nine for it or something like that. Right. Yeah, I mean, I would pick it up for that, but I feel like it, it should get some treatment, man. And and they should fucking fork up the money for fucking Ben Affleck to come on, too, and actually talk oh, about wow. it. Because he actually really enjoyed this movie. One of the interviews that I was watching, he was really into this. And, like, he was very specific about what he wanted to do, and Dean Koontz worked with him on it. So, oh. it, so it's like, this isn't just like, you know... Like, he actually really enjoyed it. And I'm sure, you know, it's it's not as big as, as he's doing now, but I bet you he would appreciate it just nonetheless, because this is one of the first movies he did that kind of took him seriously in a way. Yeah. You know? So agreed. Like, yeah. At least that I remember. I mean, I'm sure he might have done some love movies and stuff like that, but I don't know. You know, I've got to say, I'm also a big fan of reindeer games. Mm, with okay. Gary Sinise and uh, Charlize Theron and Ben Affleck. Yeah. I really like that movie. It's very nostalgic for me. It's been a while since I've seen that one. I always get it confused with the other one with uh, Gina Davis. No, not Gina Davis. Is it Gina Davis? Where she's like a killer with uh, Samuel Jackson or something. Oh, what is the name of that movie? Do you know what I'm, It came out around the same time. I do. Yes, I do. Anyway, I think it was Gina Davis, I think. I don't know. But yeah, I know I Reindeer Games is one of those game, those fun movies that I, I remember watching and not disliking. It's been a long time, so I can't say for sure. I rewatched it this year, I think, and I had a lot of fun with it. And it's another one of those Dimension Miramax titles that's getting a refresh from Paramount, I think, in August. Nice. Yeah, I might have to rewatch that again. It's been such a long time, dude. So on Phantoms, on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way, it's got a 13% uh, critic score from 32 reviews and over 10,027% audience score. And that just seems so wrong to me. Like, it's at least better than average. Like, right? Like, I mean, yeah. like, I don't, I've seen so many terrible films for that to be in the same bracket of a one to two. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty severe. I think that's unmerited. So, like, like, have you seen Howling it? 7 or Howling 4? <laughs> I always mention that in my fucking podcast. Like, have you seen these movies? Because they're terrible and they're not fun to watch. And they're like, you get angry. This did not make me angry in the least. It made me happy. Yeah, yeah. I was entertained. Some of those Howling movies, the later sequels, are drab and boring as shit. Oh my god, dude! Like it, it was a it was a tough thing to get through them all. Some of them are kind of interesting and fun, but they're all kind of like you know mid tier ish. Yeah. Well, last Halloween, I did the gauntlet. I watched all the Howling films from one to the whatever the last one was. Oh wow! And it was very tough in the second half. Like one is obviously masterful. Two has its merits. Three is pretty wild. It's definitely entertaining. But after that, you is that the Australian one? The the yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the baby coming out of the pocket and stuff. <laughs> so yes, <weird>. absurd. 
um, we uh, definitely think you should check it out. I mean, if I'm giving it an 8.5, he's giving it a 7. I, that's somewhere, nailing it in between, we're like 7.75. So you, you should check it out, I think. Might be one of your favorite movies. It might be at least something that you will pop on once in a while. So if you haven't checked it out, please do. And if you're a fan, shout off in the comments. I would love to hear from you guys. We do have, a course, some trivia for this movie that I did a little digging around for. There wasn't a lot on certain regular places, so I had to kind of dig around. If you don't want anything spoiled, you, of course, can always just come back. And, uh, you know, we'll be here next week for a new episode, too. So if you don't want anything spoiled, here's your warning. So Ben, who was doing an interview for this movie, and he had said that he had actually read the novel first before he would accept anything which is great. I think that's cool. Like that he actually had that kind of, cl- you know, clout that he could do that. And he thought he was a little too young for the part because if you've read the book, his role as the sheriff is not the same age. He's too young. So he told that to, you know, everybody, including Koontz. And he was like, no, 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 don't worry. I'm rewriting it. So that's going to be a little different. We're going to change some things. And he was like, oh, you're changing things. He's like, that's different, you know, for the time, because you pretty much kept to the same story back in those days, you know, as best Mm -hmm. as you could. And Koontz was like super open to like adapting and changing his story around. And he didn't have any problems whatsoever with that. And he was... Of course, Ben was very impressed by that and enjoyed working with him so much that he even suggested that his character and flights, which is the doctor who is gets brought in, he should that that they the two of them should butt heads more. So that that whole dynamic between the two of them is all Ben's idea and Dean agreed and put it in there. So he was very open about that and, 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 and doing it. So Ben said as a result of that, he felt like he was really a part of a team and that everybody kind of did, you know, like they were making something really great. And, uh, he had a really, really an amazing experience on, on the film. So, uh, you know, I love how, uh, how deep that collaboration was between them. That's, uh, you don't heard of that. So I love yeah, that. Especially for a big budget movie like that. It's usually like stay in your corner and let me do my fucking job. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's like it loses that whole indie appeal of making movies, you know, because you got 70,000 fucking hands in a bucket, you know, <laughs> like, um, well, maybe not that many, <laughs> a thousand hands in a bucket, whatever. Um, Peter O'Toole also got interviewed about it and he said he really loved it, the, the, the classic story of this, you know, of good and evil. And he loved the sort of like peppered in actual events that happened throughout history, which by the way, the one of them has been debunked. I think I mentioned, I think it was the Chinese story where they, all the soldiers disappeared. Mm-hmm. They've, they, they realized, I don't know I tried looking it up, but I was having a hell of a hard time trying to figure out what the answer was. I kept seeing articles about, oh, the lost tribe and shit like that, or the lost this and that. So, um, but apparently they have debunked that and they, they did actually find some of the bodies or why they migrated or something like that. Um, but other than that, he said it just, he really enjoyed the aspect that, Dean R. Koontz was willing to go the extra mile to really research some of these things and turn it into a story, one that he had never read a Dean R. Koontz book before. And he said that he regretted that he never had because he's just such a wonderful writer. So he was a really big fan of uh, Dean R. Koontz and his work in that. They use a, in the, in the movie, they actually talk about, you know, the, 
the Exxon Valdez fucking accident where they used the, the, the enzyme, the fucking bacterium that would like mm-hmm. kill and eat the oil and shit like that. And they even talk about where the creature comes from, this like, you know, sludgy thing, obviously, that we find out. Um, and they, they mention flatworm theory, which is they can absorb the knowledge. So it's based on actual tests given to flatworms, which involves seeing how quickly they would make the correct turn at a Y intersection after eating the previous experimenters. And the results were way more conclusive, inconclusive than, well, it says it's way more inconclusive than the film says, but it is true that they did actually have evidence of flatworms digesting the memories. Did you notice that in our post when we told everybody what we're watching, what everybody was saying? Yes. And <laughs> I've been wondering if that would come up in this. <laughs> yeah. So everybody was writing Affleck, you the bomb and phantoms, yo, which is Jason Muse's uh, coin phrase that he says in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which Christina was like, what are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm not really a fan. I, I don't really understand. I was like, oh, it's, you know, so, but that, that is a, it's a true statement in my opinion. So, and I think it's kind of cool that they, they kind of point that out because it's probably Kevin, Kevin's writing, you know, trying to say mm-hmm. that shit because he likes the movie and it's probably because they're also best friends, you know, like they're, they're good buddies, you know, he, he looks at him like kind of like a son almost, you know what I mean? Like I helped raise this, this wonderful actor, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a big one that this is the movie that pretty much inspired the the Silent Hill thing that I was telling you about, and uh, the whole series overall is based off of this movie and Jacob's Ladder, as well as Session uh, Nine for later uh, iterations of Silent Hill. So those have all three been the reason that we have had those games. So if you're a fan of Silent Hill, you need to watch this fucking movie. You need to own it. You need to support it because otherwise you're just an asshole. Just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a scene uh, that I was talking about that was an homage uh, to the thing, and that is the attack dog. Well, it's not an attack dog, but it's a dog that walks into the church and it like shoots out these things into the helmets of these fucking scientists, which I fucking love, by the way. Yes. Yes. That scene is so fun, man. Like his back is all bubbling and shit. He's like, mm-hmm. hey, boy, how you doing? He's like, what the fuck? Oh, that is so like, you know, obviously that's like the dogs in the pen and the thing. Mm-hmm. So Pe- but- Peter O'Toole is like, step back from the fucking dog, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. I love, uh, I would not touch them if I were you. <laughs> you might want to step away from the demonic creature. You know, like whatever. <laughs> I love his performance in this movie, dude. He's so good. Oh, he is the backbone of this whole thing, really. Like his inclusion as this researcher or whatever. Well, he's, he plays a, like a legitimate hack, like, which is kind of oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah. It's like very dynamic. Yeah. He's like, uh, like kind of like the weekly world news guy. Yeah, like he's a, a legitimate scientist who has been treated like a hack because mm-hmm. there's no money in the research that he's actually doing that's actually legit. But because nobody believes anything, he's kind of stuck being called a hack. And he like states it. I love how like sarcastic and like that when he's talking to, like the government officials, he's like, I do it for the money. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> there's that funny moment where he's like, seriously, if you know where Elvis is, we've been looking for him for a long time. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and his character's like, he knows that he's like p- taking the piss out of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's a real slippery one. Uh huh. <laughs> the other guy. <laughs> Which I think both those guys, they don't show up again after that, right? They, they're not in the movie, right? After that. I think they just escort him to the town and that's it for them. Yeah, like, because that one guy's been a lot of movies. The one that was on the right, I've seen him yes, before. Yeah. I definitely have too. Yeah. So what are some of your most favorite? I mean, obviously we got the church scene. We can get into that right off the bat if you want, just to kind of like dive into that. Yeah. Or yeah, if you want to be more specific about it, or we can skip to something else. Is there anything that you want to bring up first? Uh, well, the first thing that, that really caught me and it's not really a positive thing. Um, mm-hmm. but it was like the, the very beginning really felt like a TV movie, just the way that it's lit and the sun shining day and like the, the shot of like the mountains and everything, mm. but then the score drops and it's very gothic. It's where it's like orchestral and it's super effective. Like that really drew me in. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciated the score in this movie as a whole and the sound. Um, yes, yes, definitely. Um, but yeah, uh, that was what caught me. The score was the very first thing that like kind of got me on the movie side. Um, that but whole I, I beginning, say, actually, this just the whole up until the when the before the military come is really great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I do think that the church scene is probably my favorite scene in the whole movie, mm-hmm. just because it's so like the the movie's been pretty quiet and atmospheric and just kind of like slyly getting under your skin, and then it just explodes into like gunfire and like helmets being breached by these tentacles and everything. <laughs> yeah. That is like, that's when you realize that it's this like sludgy creature like thing that can change into anything it wants. Yeah. The destructive force. Yeah. It's just so crazy. Like, and it's quick too, man, which is like, you know, like people are sitting. That's the thing I loved in the beginning is like, there's like a person rolling dough in the fucking pie making factory (laughs) and their arms their wrists are cut off and just the hands on the rolling pin is left. Yes. Like, and this movie like crazy in reference to the, the hands and everything, this movie has like some slasher film effects and gore to it. Like Mm -hmm. the hands in the rolling pin. And then that scene in the oven, like with the pies and the heads, like that is masterful. Like I thought, cause you know, I don't want to like go too into it, but you expect one thing to happen. It doesn't happen. And then it does happen. And you're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. Yeah. I, I really, uh, I don't know. There's just something about like the, they have this like kind of like supernatural air about it too. In the beginning too. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like up in the air of like what the fuck it is. And it's like, no, no, no. It's, it's this thing that's been living under the ground for, you know, a millennia. And it's been feeding off of us at a time, uh, one at a time. You'd think it would be a little bit bigger, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, they, they, talk, well, and too. they talk about it wiping off the, you know, the dinosaurs. So, I mean, come on, like, <laughs> that's a good meal, isn't it? And then like, um, oh, like at the end that, that is okay. So the whole town emerges like in a, in a blink of an eye, the camera turns back and it's like everybody and they're all like zombified. There's like a, a priest and just like people, various right. town folk. 
They have a I light behind that. them so you can't see their yeah. faces. Yeah, that's like really yeah. good. That was a real, I thought I of that. that. That shot's really good. It reminds me, um, there's some things in this movie that kind of remind me very much of In the Mouth of Madness. But then again, it also reminds me of, um, you know, the thing as well and the blob because the military coming in and the presence there with the, the, the blob is like, they're like going down into sewer drains the same way. There's like, they're trying to like, you know, shoot it and stuff like that and it you know it's just killing everybody it's a little slower it doesn't move as fast as the uh yeah the blob is way slower but you know but yeah i think the first thing that you uh, most people will initially be impacted by is by like how people are just dropping dead like within minutes of their cooking like shit's not even burned on the stove it's just like they suddenly died and it's like so instantaneous that it's just like it almost kind of makes it difficult for them to continue the story because like this thing should have just killed those people off like instantly you know what i mean as fast as it could take out this town like that but i guess it's not that fast but fast enough that it was pretty quick to take people's hands off while they're rolling dough <laughs> you know and, yeah they really doubled down on that too they really hammered that home with dialogue and with what they show on camera that this happened so fast you know yeah and the other unsettling thing is leave leave schreiber who's just touching oh the dead leg like he wants to have sex with it practically and he's like chewing his gum and he's like talking to it like and the whole time Ben Affleck's like he knows something's off about him mm -hmm. and so he's like trying to keep him in line because like you know he's like why is this guy going off the rails in the middle of this fucking crazy shit like of all the times that you're going to be fucking stew this is the least fucking interesting time that you need to do it <laughs> yeah he like stops him in the street and he's like are you good? Are you, you know, are you okay? And, you know, Lee Schreiber's character is kind of like, are you good? Are you okay? You know? So that like kind of points to their relationship. Like he, Ben Affleck, like knows that he is not all there. He's not right. All right. And he's like, just pause for a minute. Are you with me? This is a situation. You need to get your head on straight. Right. He's one of those guys that need guidance and distraction in order for him to not get weird. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I don't know if you saw this in your trivia, but you mm. know, he goes, uh, Lee Shriver like sits down on the bed next to the corpse or whatever. Mm -hmm. That corpse is famous B movie actress Linnea Quigley. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I found that interesting. Yeah. But yeah, if you guys don't know who Linnea Quigley is, she's been in pretty much everything horror. I mean, she got stabbed in the back with fucking uh, the the uh, in Silent Night, Deadly Night. Is that what it was with the uh, antlers or whatever? Doesn't she gets pushed onto the antlers and that? She yeah, gets, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was in Creepazoid. I mean, she's been in everything. She's a scream queen, basically. Yeah, yeah, totally. Back to Stu, like one of the things I also liked about him is that, that argument that they have. And he's like, man, he's like, so you hitting it off with a sister, huh? And he's like, Stu, shut the <laughs> fuck up. And he's like, I, I kind of find the little one kind of hot. Mm -hmm. He's like, shut the fuck up, okay? <laughs> he's like, I need you on this. What the fuck are you doing, man? And he's like, you know, I'm not in a fucking mood for this shit right now, man. <laughs> and he's like, okay, all right, cool, man. <laughs> he's like, ouch. He's like, is that what we're talking about? Well, protocol or whatever it is that you were saying earlier? And he's like, you motherfucker, you know? <laughs> yes, I love that. So he's funny. always trying I, to get that last interplay. little bit in, you know? Like, the yeah, Lee, yeah. Lee really plays that character so well. <laughs> Whether I'm not saying I like the character he is. I'm saying mm -hmm. that he does it so well that it's just unsettling. Absolutely. And then when he comes back, he's almost kind of cool. Kind of reminds me of, like, what's his name in fucking Demon Knight, you know? Like, being the bad guy 
Yeah, when he comes back for the, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of times. He's like, he's like, did someone slip me a Mickey? <laughs> <laughs> um, where he's like, that's another scene where he's like crawling across the fucking ground with the tentacles coming out of his midsection after the sisters like shoot the shit out of his legs, I guess. <laughs> They didn't hit him in the head, not once. They just shot right. his dick off the whole time. <laughs> That's a little weird, isn't it? <laughs> but I guess he was trying to fuck one of them, so I guess it kind of yeah. makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the moth scene, which oh, was yeah. in the book, by the way. Did you ever read the book? I did not read the book. Okay. I'm pretty sure because that was on the cover. Like they had this butter or like a, like a, look like a moth or something on the Mm -hmm. version I had. Uh, but there's a scene where they're, they're in the, after that fight and they hear that thing outside, they hear the helicopter and they come back in or something. And then this moth comes and bites, melts the face off of Stu like instantly. And the way that they shot this was so fucking cool, man. Like he's like, they shoot the fucking thing. He's like, we shot it like 30 times. You think it's coming back? He's like, yeah, but what if we missed it or something? And he, Stu looks at him like, you're a fucking idiot, man. And then he gets taken by the moth, picked up, slammed against the wall and fucking Stu's kicking his heels on the wall repeatedly while his face is getting melted off and he's screaming. And I'm like, this is so good. Like just dying in so much pain that he's kicking his legs against the wall. Like, ah, that's so great. I I love that. And before they, before that happens, they literally unleash hell out that window. Like they're all just shooting. They're just pumping their shotguns and just like crazy. And I'm like, wow, maybe you should. I just felt like it was so unnecessary, but so fun too. (laughs) It's kind of like when, uh, in Ghostbusters, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Nice shooting, Tex. Exactly. Yeah. What did you think about the uh, end? I mean, I kind of like how they figure out that they can try to kill this thing because it's a thing. Because, like, Ben Affleck, like, it's a fucking thing. And if it's a fucking thing, it can be fucking killed. You know, we got this tank. They got tanks, like science lab tanks that they're, like, researching this thing because they realize they realize it's it's this entity. It's this thing that's been around so long that everything that it absorbs, it thinks it's become God because that's, like, the closest thing we can assume because it can do so many things. It can get in people's heads. It's psychic. It, it it fucking can malform and change into anything that it wants. It can create life. It can destroy life. So they thinks it's God and they come up with this bacterium, which is why we did the shot, by the way. Um, and uh, flight is outside. He's like talking and he has this really great speech where he's like talking to the, the entity and it won't come out and show itself. And he's like, how am I supposed to tell the world about a God if I can't see what it is? He's like, now, 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 now's the time. Now's the time to shoot. <laughs> he's like really scared. I, what did you think of the big creature that it became? Like, that's what I want. I want to know about. Did that bother you? Did it look kind of shitty or was it like, I mean, it looked kind of shitty. But I was so on board with this film. Very little could have done to derail that. Right. So I was like, okay, this is dumb, but I love it. Like, yeah. awesome. <laughs> it's cool that like all the bodies sort of made it up, you know? So like, you yeah. can see like little faces and arms and shit and it's, and it's makeup. And it kind of reminded me of the deadlights and it, but mm-hmm. this wasn't a claymation. It was just CGI. <laughs> <laughs> 
CGI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I really like where this, this movie went and how it ended. I mean, I, I'm a big fan, man, honestly. I, I, I love it, man. I, I, it's a treat to watch every time I watch it. And I'm sad that I didn't get to watch it with Christina. I ended up watching it late last night. So she didn't get to see it with me. And I was like, fuck, oh, man, I need to see it. So, um, or was it late last night? It was right before I talked to you, actually. So, oh, okay. So which one do you think of these two movies that we've watched here today would you say is like the best of the two? Cause you gave it a seven out of seven, both of them. I have to go. And maybe it's because, I don't know, I watched this today and I watched The Relic yesterday, mm-hmm. but this one, I don't know. It, I actually gave it a higher score this time when I watched it. So I'm going to go Phantoms today, all the way, Phantoms. Okay. Well, I'm definitely in agreement. I like The Relic, but this is just something special. It's like something you get special, once. Special, yeah. Yeah, it's like something you get once every 10 years or something. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're seeing it a little bit more frequently these days, you know? Some of the HP, HP Lovecraft thing nods and stuff. You got like the void, you color out of space and weird. Your shit. favorite film of 2020. Yeah. The color out of space, <laughs> which you made fun of me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> a little bit. I, I jabbed at you a little bit. No, I, I did. I, I, I do like the void a lot. I really do think that movie's yeah. underrated. I gave it a lower score the first time I watched it and then I kept watching it. And then I was like, okay, I really like this movie. You know what I mean? So I, I think I'm going to give it a better score. Um, so I ended up being one of my top films of that year too so i don't know there's just something about that style that story like the phantoms offers that gives me something that you don't see in film all the time and it's a i don't know it's just a nice treat to see some fucked up thing like from beyond or you know where they they morph bodies into crazy weird fucking you know body horror fucking things like that's what i love man creepy shit like where the guys in the helmets where their faces were all black oh yeah it's just creepy like it's just standing there it looks like they're they're astronauts standing on the planet like what are they doing here and the camera like just turns like uh, one of the military guys says something. The camera pans around, and they're all just standing there, motionless, with their shattered helmets. Oh, uh, that's, that's right. a visual, dude. There's the fucking general that's in this movie. He's like, they're like, flight runs back, and he's like, he's like, it wants me to tell the world, you know, like what, 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 what it is. It thinks it's God or something like that. <laughs> and then this, this fucking tentacle comes up out of the ground, just literally out of the ground, and and he's like, it's all around us. It's everywhere. And he's like, gets pulled down, cracks his fucking helmet, and it slips in there really quick. And then he stops moving and just sits there for a little bit. And then he stands up, pulls the largest piece of glass out of his fucking mouth, yeah. by the way, which was like, ugh, Jesus. Like, the, the, the effects in this, by the way, were done by K&B, which I forgot to mention. So no k and knows what they're fucking doing. They're like one of the best on the planet you know what i mean um he pulls it out and then spits like whatever it is on the thing and it turns into a gecko or a lizard or whatever which even mm-hmm. that looked really cool how they like melted it and turned it back into something like i don't even know how they did that ah. yeah i love that i love that glass bit i literally winced when he did that when i watched it earlier i was yeah. like oh shit because it's pulling on the sides of his mouth and it's like all i'm thinking of is fucking the joker and fucking dark knight like you know how i got these scars <laughs> <laughs> so it's like oh like it just makes me cringe thinking about glass cutting his mouth like that but Ooh. he's not even a human he's a fucking you know 
millennia beast or whatever the fuck it was <laughs> the ancient enemy yeah oh the ancient enemy yeah that's right which by the way they left it fully open for a sequel to happen yes they stews sitting at a bar while people are making uh, fun of make of timothy flight dr flight talking about the commercial. ancient enemy yeah and he's like you believe that shit and she's like i don't know hank actually got said he got taken up in the that one of them year ufos or whatever and got abducted and he said he ain't abducted he fucking skipped to las vegas He's like, he's just tired of his wife. You met her, you'd be tired of her too. <laughs> and, and then Stu laughs and they're like, she's like, is there something funny, mister? You know, and he's like, he's like, nah, want to see something? Yes. Which is a callback to earlier in the movie when he yeah, says that to Rose he says it like Three times in the movie, I think, total. He is, I, I mean, I think that that ending, that last scene is a grand slam. I loved it. I almost stood up and clapped because I was so into it because yeah. I had forgotten that's how it ended. Ah, love it. See, it's one of those movies, like, it's like that always you want to see more of, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I, I feel like about those movies. That's why if I want to see more of a movie, I'm like, ooh, I want to see that. Like, I feel like movies are so tame anymore sometimes. Like, they, they're afraid to spend money on, like, risky ideas. And this, and I, I, I do get what you mean, too, about, like, I wanted more of this movie. I wanted to populate this world that we're being shown on screen. I wanted more of that. I wanted to feel how I felt watching this movie for longer. Yeah. Yeah, it's like some people might even say that that would mean that it's like it didn't have enough or something. Maybe that's what people were thinking or I don't mm. know. But if you liked it so much, you wanted to see more, you wouldn't give it a 13. Exactly. I don't know what the hell those people were thinking, but I'm a I love phantoms. I'll say it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is it, guys. Have you seen phantoms? Have you seen the relic? Which would you prefer over the other? Which one do you like? Which author do you prefer over the other? Do you like Dean R. Koontz or do you like the authors of Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child's Relic more? Which one do you think does the science better? I'd also like to know that. Like, what do you think? Like, movie-wise? Um, well, I think that the scope of Phantoms is larger and it's like a a whole world feel to it. Sure. So, and I don't know. I think that some of the, the whatever the fungus on the leaf thing from the relic was, they got a little too jargony with some of the science stuff. And okay. I think that was a little lighter, lighter in phantoms. So I, I think I would go with the science of phantoms. Okay. I think I'm, I'm with you on that, but that, I'm a little biased. I feel so. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, guys would love to hear from you on those things. If you want to ever write us so you can write below on our, any of our posts and stuff like that, Matt, it's been a pleasure having you on, man. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoyed having him on. I hope you guys follow him and, uh, you know, stay tuned to all the like upcoming titles that are coming out because I guarantee you he'll post something that you'll be like, Oh my God. And then you'll just like, Oh, look, I have a DVD. I can't wait for the 4k or something. You know, it's, it's just going to happen. So, but thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, this is my first thing, so I was pretty nervous, but this was smooth sailing for me, and I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's nice to to like talk about things that you want to talk about it sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a rare thing sometimes. <laughs> well, you can come back anytime you want. 
anytime man so i enjoyed it i had a lot of fun so i hope to see you sometime soon in the future or something do something else yeah i'd love to all right guys so thank you so much for coming by hope you enjoyed everything we'll of course have a new episode next week we're thinking about starting the new scanners like doing the whole scanners thing we've done scanners before years ago like the first one but we didn't give it the btv treatment so we're going to do probably one two three or one and two and then three plus scanner cups and one and two because we just got those from vinegar syndrome in 4k and i'm just kind of eager to jump into them but we may do something else i gotta let christina pick probably so it may be something else so we'll see <laughs> but thanks for coming by guys and as always long live the void